We've been taught that anything worth getting is worth working really hard for and powering through. And the reality is that may actually not be the case. You've either got essential hard and burnout or you've got easy, trivial and, and, and lazy. Neither of those are good options. You don't have to choose between those two options. There is a third path a way to do what is most essential, a way that is more effortless. Don and Kula. Not how I would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the person. I knew, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Today, I get to do the interview that we are going to hear. Hmm. It's going to be the probably the best interview that you've ever heard. You, you personally. Think? Yep. Uh -huh. I actually you did had, do the interview, though. I did. And I actually had an amazing time talking to Greg McEwen. I when I heard. When I told you what it was about. Yeah. Well, when I heard even it was Greg. Yeah. It, he is fantastic. He We had him on a while back um, to talk about his first book that he wrote that became a New York Times bestseller called Essentialism. Mm -hmm. and uh, excellent book. Excellent book. And kind of as a follow-up to that, he wrote a book called Effortless, Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. The whole kind of premise behind it is he really kind of became big after essentialism and essentialism is about focusing on what's most important, right. right? In everything. And he really then wanted to ask the next question was like, are you actually still working on everything important, but are you working twice as hard to develop half as much? We equate success with working hard. That is like, we almost have that puritanical kind of belief that everything that is worth getting is worth working hard for. Because I was even talking about that, like in relationships that, you know, when you get into relationship, you go, I always heard before I was in adult relationships, marriages are hard yeah. and relationships are hard. So then when I was in a hard relationship, I thought this is how it's supposed to be. You have to work at it. Mm -hmm. And he equates that with work and basically says, so often we get to a level of success and we burn out because we think we have to work harder, not make, not really enjoy things. And that really means success. We've I'm really it. curious about this interview yeah. because, you know, with the baby coming yeah. and a book due, I do find myself going, I don't know how much I got left. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a yeah. lot. And then, and then you start reasoning with yourself. Well, if you can just do five more years, yeah. you yeah. won't have to. The old Work self bargain. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> exactly Gets you every time. Yeah. And I'm really excited well, about this. And interview. it's actually very tangible thoughts. Like you're going to love it because in the interview, we get into some really practical mind shifts and yeah. even questions you can ask before you start a new endeavor. You, what, what was your favorite one? Your My favorite, favorite one literally was before you start anything, you ask the question, can this be easy? Ooh. And so you start like, you you start with saying like great question. Yeah. Really so good. like even for us, right? We're creating a system for how we do podcasts. Right. And it involves a lot of other people besides us. And we have to put all this stuff it's together. A staff of thousands. Thousands. <laughs> thousands make this happen. Yeah. A lot of well, editors. Literally what you're listening to is CGI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we figured out how to make we're CGI. Not even here. Yeah. <laughs> and so he just said, before you even start that go, how how can we make this 
easy. I love and, that. And really break down of like, what is the end result we really want out of this podcast? And have we put in too much work to get the result that we're looking for that makes us resent it, that makes it hard, that makes us I'm burn in. out? I'm so excited about this interview. I think it's really practical. And both of those books, Essentialism and Effortless, and Greg actually has a podcast called What's Essential that is fantastic as well. But I just loved my conversation with Greg McEwen, and I think everybody listening is going to as well. Greg, thanks so much for being back with us. Um, I was so excited to get to talk to you this time. Don got to talk to you last time when you were here talking about um, essentialism. Yes. And you wrote that book really to kind of walk through the idea that, you know, how to get basically the right things done. It's not like getting less done. It's doing the right things. Mm -hmm. And that book blew up. And I <laughs> was thinking about the fact that all of a sudden you're telling people you need to focus on the right things, you need to do the right things, make life easier, and now <laughs> your life blows up in a mm. whole new way because mm. this becomes a New York Times bestseller. Mm -hmm. You're having opportunities to speak all over the world, mm -hmm. to consult with huge companies and really align teams around focusing on the important thing. And now you have probably more opportunities than you could ever handle in your life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I did. I did. That is what happened. And it was, it's, it's all the right problems to have, but it doesn't make it less of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So were you basically just having to follow your own advice at that point, or did you get caught up in the craziness of the success of it all? Um, I mean, the, the first of all, yes, I was following it. I was doing, I was being more selective than I had ever been. I wasn't writing another book. You know, normally you're supposed to write one every 18 months. Essentialism did well enough that there was just an open door to do that. Uh, it's yeah. been seven years since Essentialism came out before, you know, before Effortless came out. So that's like a, that's like such a huge period of time yeah. in the publishing world, as you know. And, um, and, and, and so I was being more selective, but even with that, I sort of came to a question of like, yeah, but what if you still have too many responsibilities? Yeah. What if they are really, they are essential, uh, by this point, I'd be yes, father of essentialism, whatever, but I'm also the father of four children now. And there are <laughs> yeah. just, you know, like, which child do you say no to? Okay. Well, I'm just not going to bother with this. And so here you, you, you know, it, it raised this question. What if you have to use that metaphor, uh, to what if you have too many big rocks? Yeah. What, what if you've, it's not about prioritization now that these, these things are really essential. What do you do then? Do you just give up on a, on a, on a big rock? And I yeah. found that, that, uh, that I needed a new way to do. It's not enough just to do the right things. You've got to do them in the right way. Yeah. Uh, otherwise you can break things. You can force things. You can hurt yourself. You know, it's like a, a, a someone lifting weights and they're lifting with their back every time or they're, yeah. they're swimming, but they haven't learned to breathe. Like yeah. you, you're doing the right things, but doing them in the wrong way is coming at a really high cost. So it makes it much harder to do it sustainably, to do it well, to be able to keep going six months, 10 years. And so all that cumulative advantage that comes from being able to make it a little easier is lost because you've become intermittent in your, in your action instead of consistent with it. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people who deal with success and growth are finding that thing is that kind of even some of the things that got them there, the way they did things aren't working once they find that level of success. The way they do things has to be done differently. I was talking to somebody who works with high performance athletes, and he said that basically there's a 
period where people are just being taught all this language, you know, the no pain, no gain, push it, give more. If you want better results, you've got to sacrifice more. There's a whole sort of mantra around this, a whole mindset. Yeah. And he said, by the time he gets, he gets them, he's like, okay, none of that is going to get you to the next level. Mm. That's like, that's all like just that basically it's been wrong for a while for you. Yeah. Uh, what, and he used a phrase I'd never heard anyone use. They said, he said, run fast, not hard. Mm. We're trying to help people run fast, not hard. We're trying to help them. It's, it's removing the resistance. It's removing the, the, the forced nature of things. My, my wife had a mentor who once said to never force anything. I love that. That became one of our sort of mottos in our family here. And we'll sense it sometimes. You're working hard. That's good. But then if you start to force things, that's when things break. That's when you break. That's when you burn out. That's when your most important relationships start to break and burn out. Like, don't force anything. Yeah, as, as a as a mantra, and and so you start to you start to say, oh, maybe what if there's a what if actually high performance requires not pushing harder, but finding a a different, more effortless way to be at ease, so that you can perform at your highest for the longest. Well, anything worth getting is worth working for, right? Like that's kind of a mantra that people have. It's like, if it's if it's worth it, then it's gonna be hard. And I've, I thought about that as you were talking of even say the first real adult relationship I was in was I was pretty miserable. <laughs> right. But I had, I had heard from everybody all along the way, relationships take work. And if they're worth it, they, they're hard. You know, everybody's like, everybody had used that language of relationships are hard. And you go, oh, okay. So I'm miserable, which probably means I'm in a good relationship. <laughs> <laughs> because I was having to work very hard to stay in that relationship. Is this kind of what you're talking about? That wasn't really the case. As we've been taught that anything worth getting is worth working really hard for and powering through. And the reality is that may actually not be the case. Yes, I think that there is a mindset here that just says that that takes a good idea, which is working is good. Putting yeah. in some effort is good. Effort is a good thing, right? That's all true. But then it becomes toxic because people start to say, well, it's the only thing. Mm. It's, it's Patrick McGuinness who came up with the term, or at least first to ever publish it ever, anywhere, the term FOMO, the fear of missing out. Mm. And he was the one that coined that, Patrick McGuinness. And he had bought into this toxic view of work where he said, look, if people weren't working all the time, pulling all nighters all the time, he just said, well, they must not have a very successful job. Mm -hmm. Like he thought relentless, exhausting burnout was an evidence of success. It was yeah. its own badge of honor. Burnout is not a badge of honor. Yeah. I, I, re I reject that completely. <laughs> yes. And he yes. learned to regress it after it almost just, just almost destroyed him. Uh, he, he just, he went to the doctors and, and he was just so beaten up and he literally said, like what he said was like a deal with God. He said, if, if I get out of this, if I'm, if I can just get well again, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to live mm. differently. Yeah. And he did, he lived, he, he lived through it and he, and he made a change and he changed just how he lived his life so that he's, he's not just living in the state of burnout and exhaustion and, and more and more and more. And, and ne nor is he going to the other extreme, right? The sort of this false dichotomy, the other extreme says lazy, that ease is lazy and trivial. Yep. Like that's yep. your option. You've either got essential hard and burnout 
or you've got easy, trivial, and, and, and lazy. Neither of those are good options. You don't have to choose between those two options. There is a third path, a way to do what is most essential, a way that is more effortless, that is more at ease. There is a way of being and doing that's not so strained, not so forced. It's more natural. It's, it's, and it's, it's actually what peak performers actually do. I feel like I want to get a tattoo that says burnout is not a badge of honor. Yes. Like I, cause you know, when anybody says, how are you doing? Usually my first response is, oh, I'm so busy. I hear yes. that all the time. I'm trying very hard not to use those words <laughs> because I think that I've equated hard work and busyness with excellence and high performance. And those two aren't, they're, they're not exclusive, but they're not actually fully, uh, they, they don't rely on each other. Which, well, right. Well, but, but, but I know you're trying to get us to, some, to, to a place. I don't want to riff too long here, but go, oh, go. think about that. When people get into that mode, when they start to believe what you just said, yeah. but they're interchangeable terms, yeah. excellence and burnout are interchangeable terms. The risk yep. is for like, so there is a percentage of people who are highly engaged and otherwise successful who have bought into what you just said, that great con. And then now they're just, now they're just doing burnout. They're not doing excellence. They're doing <laughs> burnout. That's yeah. what they're getting. They're yeah. just achieving more and more burnout. And because the nature of burnout is so clouding of our judgment, that we we that, that one of the items of research that fascinated me with effortless is that is that as people approach burnout they become the least like they they're the worst judges of the fact that they're burned out they're like mm. the last ones to be able to see it or know it and so it it people double down on it well you know i mean i'm i'm burned out but i am still not getting the results i want i'll double down i'll go even put, push it even more force it even more none of this works it does not deliver what it says on the packaging. So first off, thank you for the therapy um, because <laughs> I, I feel like I need to hear this over and over and over again. But not only did you, you know, are processing through all this, but you wrote a book about it. <laughs> you wrote a book called Effortless, Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. And in it, you give some very, very, very practical application strategies to start thinking differently and working differently in this area of looking at what's important, doing what's what's most important, and doing it differently than maybe we've been raised up to do. And so there's kind of there's three different parts to kind of following the effortless way. You talk about effortless state, effortless action, and effortless results. And I'd love to just go a little bit deeper with you on the first part, the effortless state. And this really deals with focus. So how to make it easier to focus. Now, I went online and took your quiz and I came back an overthinker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I want to get to that maybe in a little bit too, and mm-hmm. you can give me some more therapy on that. Mm-hmm. But you walk through in this first part in the effortless state of how to make it easier to focus, kind of giving five different strategies of how to focus and, and focus more easily. And the first one is you say – invert. You say, what if this could be easy? And the problem is that complexity of modern life has created a false dichotomy between things that are essential and hard, things that are easy and trivial. Those are kind of the different perspectives. Is the first part of it just understanding that that dichotomy is a lie? Uh, yes. I mean, I think that the, the, very, the first strategy 
to creating a more effortless state is is to invert the questions that are producing a state of suffering and exhaustion and burnout. We are getting ready to launch a brand new weekly podcast on June 23rd called Marketing Made Simple. And guess what? Yours truly is the host. I want you to be able to create marketing that is easy. You can do it quick without even almost thinking about it because you're so versed in how to create marketing that works If you have struggled at all in creating marketing or your messaging feels convoluted or just isn't clear, you're not getting the results you want, I want you to subscribe to the Marketing Made Simple podcast because we are going to be giving you practical tips every single week that you can implement immediately powered by the story brand framework that teaches why it is important to understand how story works, how story works, and then how to implement that in marketing and messaging. So subscribe to Marketing Made Simple podcast. We come out June 23rd so you can get the practical tips that you need to create marketing and messaging that is easy to implement and works. There are questions that we ask that we do not know we are asking. They're so deep in our subconscious, we're just living out the answers. Questions like, how can I work harder to achieve more results? That would be, that would be an example. We don't know we're consciously asking that question, but a brain mm-hmm. having been asked that question again and again keeps giving us answers. Well, you know, you can, you can sleep less. You can, you can have a phone with you 24-7. You can make sure you react to, to everything coming in all the time. You, you know, it's giving us answers to a question mm-hmm. we don't know we're answering. Uh, that we're even asking. The, 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 this alternative inversion is to ask the question, how can the essential things be the easiest in our lives? How can it be more effortless? I was working, I was coaching a manager who fell into the first category. This is someone who's up till 4 a.m. photoshopping for uh, the youth church activity the next day. Nobody's asking her to do that, but she has taken on this idea that sacrificing self is more righteous it's better it's it's somehow somehow a, a holier way of living to always be in that mode if she eats lunch she feels guilty mm-hmm. if she if she's not exhausted she's not doing enough she's not worthy right that's kind of the mindset so i said well listen what if we just invert that what if we ask a new question what if we say um how could it be easy Next time someone asks you to do something, you, you, that's the question. You just ask, is there an easier way? Could there be? What might easy look like? She gets a call from a professor at the university that says, could you get your videography team to come and record my class this semester? That's all he's asked for. But what she hears in her mind is how can I make this? How can I overachieve? How can I wow him? How can I go the second mile. You know, that's what the, that's what's the questions that are coming to her. That's what she's ready to do. What does that look like? That would be, I'll get my whole team there. We'll have multiple angles. So we have lots of different shots of his class. We'll edit it all together. We'll add music. And then she remembers coaching, invert, invert. And she asks the different questions. She explores, is there an easier solution? Is there a simpler solution? How might this look? And, and she finds out this for one student, who's going to miss a few sessions because of an athletic commitment. And the solution is that they're just going to have another student in the class record it on their iPhone. And send it to 
the professor who hadn't thought about that either suddenly is just like, oh, that's, that's terrific. Delighted. It goes off the phone. In 10 minutes, she has saved four months of work for her and her whole team. The second question, and I think this is my favorite, is you talk about enjoying it. And so the question is, what if this could be fun? <laughs> I love that question. As soon as you ask it, it doesn't seem like such a, it's like, yeah, okay, that's, that seems like an achievable question. That's doable. Yeah. And they, 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 both of these questions are, they're, they're ridiculously simple, but that's one of the reasons that they work. Uh, how can this be fun? Like, why do you have to have essential things over on one side and enjoyable things on the other? And the, and neither of these are ever overlapping. What if maybe you can't for everything, but what if you could make it pair the essential with the enjoyable? The difference here is let, let's di distinguish these. There's a chore, which is doing something essential and you don't want to do it. You don't mm -hmm. like doing it. There's a habit, which is that it's something that's, you know, that's, that's important important to do and it has become a bit easier because you it's routine mm -hmm. you're still doing it for some reward afterwards and then there's a new a, a term that we normally use interchangeably with habit and it's ritual ritual i think is is a really rich term the habit is what you do the ritual is how you do it mm. and the how you do it if you can make the how enjoyable personally fulfilling it becomes like a habit with a soul it almost feels sacred to me as you're saying it. It becomes almost sacred. Yes, it can. I think it can be. And so even even things that used to be chores can become can become rituals that renew you and, and at least don't exhaust you. As like our family, we have um, the the after dinner cleanup was a total chore, uh, and we and nobody um, you know I they would disappear. My children would disappear after dinner, like just gone. Like, uh, and, then, and, then, and then I would like, grab them back, like cat and mouse. And so finally I said, okay, how can this be enjoyable? And we came up with a few things, but it wa wasn't until, you know, we kind of developed something that was got us to the habit stage where we're yeah. like, okay, we're doing it. Everyone's doing their responsibilities. We divided up the roles and responsibilities. But when it became fun, when it was enjoyable, it was when my daughter added like karaoke music. It was Disney classics. And some people, yeah. I mean, some people are like, I would hate to do that. They, fine. That's not your ritual. I'm not yeah. saying everyone has to do this ritual, but for us, somebody, then it made somebody was singing to it and everybody starts singing to it. And it's like this little party. And it's certainly significantly easier now. Once people figure this out, once they, st they get, start getting creative with it, it changes the experience and quality of their whole life because it's improving yeah. this now. Uh, I mean, yesterday um, they got the big news. Uh, that uh, Effortless just became a New York Times bestseller. Congratulations. Uh, so, so, yeah, I'm very happy for that. So it's two for two, and, and uh, I mean, that it's, not, it's not a trend that's going to carry on forever, so we'll be happy, <laughs> happy, to, take, happy to take two. And, uh, uh -huh. but, but here's the thing. In that moment, you could still have that be a very short-lived moment. You, you can like miss the moment, and it's not enjoyable. And, and I'd said I had made a commitment that I would do a, a dance of joy uh, if it happened, <laughs> and uh, and we did the dance of joy in our family. That yeah. actually is a ritual. It's its own it's its own music. It's from. Do you remember the old? I can't believe I'm sharing all this, but I did put it on <laughs> social media yesterday. But this is the backstory. So yeah, the yeah. backstory is: Did you ever watch Perfect Strangers? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yep. Balky the dance, Balky. Do you remember mm -hmm. Balky? Well, there's a the Balky does a a dance of joy. Yep. Oh, I know it well. Do you know the dance of <laughs> yes, joy? I do. Do you yeah. know the music? Do you know it? Like, would you know it right now if we did it? 
Oh yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. I love that you knew that. I love it. But it's like, yes. Don't you want to live like this? Life is hard enough. Life is hard. We just make it harder than it needs to be. And so then we burn out before we get the results we want. What I'm saying at Effortless is if you can figure out a way to ease life's burdens, you can achieve breakthrough results and without burning out. This is the value proposition. Those two questions alone, I think for all of our listeners, just starting with a different way of thinking of what it could could be easy and what if it could be fun. I mean, yes. holy cow, that's amazing. And then really the other three in the first section, you talk about release, rest, and notice. And all of those to me feel like about the power of being present. On your test, when I came back as overthinker, yes, <laughs> I feel like those three things, the release, the rest, and the notice, I struggle with those in particular because of the overthinking of the past or, the, or like being in the future and those kind of things. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, release, right, is about how can I let go of a burden I don't need to carry anymore? Mm. How can I let go of something? The whole idea that we are carrying mental burdens all the time, like it's normal, like we just have to. And then suddenly you discover, what if I could let them go? You would never think about this as a productivity hack, but what if letting go of grudges is actually the ultimate productivity hack, like better than absolutely any hack you've ever read in your whole life? Heck yeah. I was asking somebody recently, I said, I said, what percentage of your mental energy have you given to grudges and anger? And their percentage, the first person I asked this was on a podcast. I asked the question, they said 60 to 70%. Mm. The next person I shared that story with, well, I don't know if it's the next person, but the person I just most recently did it was this week. He said, no, Greg, actually, I think it's probably for me, it's even higher. I think I've probably spent 80 or 90% of my energy. He said, he said, he said it's kind of the thing that I've, I've, tr- I've kind of used to drive me. Yeah. I said, yeah, it's bad fuel. Yep. He said, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yes. He says, it's bad fuel. So it produces all sorts of things you don't really want to be produced while you're doing it. There is a pure, better, cleaner fuel than that. Mm-hmm. And when you let go, and this is the this is my favorite points about effortless state, is that effortless state isn't something you have to fight for and work for and kill yourself for. It's already there, yeah, hidden behind all these burdens. When you let them go, when you remove them, when you go through that journey, and I, I'm not trying to say that that is just snap your fingers and you're there. But as you let them go, the effortless state presents itself. That's, a, that's the experience we want. Not as a rarest thing, but that that, that becomes over time the norm. What kind, of life's, what kind of state do we want to live our lives in? So that's really what the release is about. And then you go on to say rest and notice. Talk about those really quick for us. Yeah, rest is I mean, this, this basically the art of doing nothing. Um, rest is a responsibility. And my experience for overachievers is that they actually don't know how to rest and relax. For peak performance, you need to have rhythms of intensity and breaks. And, and there's the cycles, not just in our sleep, but in our uh, day or through the day as well. Those same sleep cycles that most of us have heard of actually continue through the day. Mm. And so we should construct our, our, our lifestyle through the day in cycles of intensity and relaxation, intensity and relaxation. 
And when we do that, it's like a slingshot forward. It's a, it's, it will accelerate us forward. How do we do this? One thing I, I would recommend that people do is that they can, um, they can start a done for the day list. When this list is done, I'm done. These are the things I'm doing. And instead of an endless to-do list, I have a done for the day list. And then the next thing that they can do is to, is to create a list. They have to start paying attention in their lives. A list of what relaxes me. Yeah. list. Okay. 20 things like building blocks of joy, things that like doing them. We love them. For me, writing in my journal is one of those things. Um, sitting in the hot tub for me is one thing like make your list. And then over time you, you get it more and more precise. So they become like signature rituals of relaxation. We're going to learn how to do nothing, so to speak, so that we can be at our peak performance. Everything you're saying feels like a drink to my soul. Like, it's kind of like, wow. you know, it really does. It's all the stuff that you kind of, I think people to some degree know, mm. but they, they have not been given permission to step into some of this space. Because I, I, I do think like we've been told that the way you do things and how you, how busy you are and how burnt out you are, like you said, feels like a badge of honor and it's not. And none of us want to be living that way. All right. None of us want to be kind of living on our last edge of energy and relationship and everything. And yet we do. And especially during this pandemic, when we're on Zoom all the time and you're kind of home. So it's really easy to keep working even late at night and all of that stuff. You know, no, we're, we're, we're living at work, not working at home. Yes. And it, it just gets us all. I, I mean, I know I've personally have been experiencing this and I get caught up in this wheel of production and all this stuff as well. And I loved what you had said about essentialism of, of obviously the idea of focusing on what's important, but I'm loving this even more, like the mm. idea of how you do that. I love that. Feels even like a, a bigger paradigm shift that people need to hear and step into. Because if we can really be the kind of people who not only are working on the important things, but doing it in a way that is life-giving for us and for others then I can't imagine what the world would be like for in, us as individuals, but then as us as a collective. As I'm listening to you, it is giving me permission to tap back into the person that I want to be yes. and the person, the, the way I want to live that feels like if I'm going to be a high producer, I can't do. And you're giving me permission to be myself and to be myself well in a way that I haven't heard in a long time. So... I personally am very grateful for this book and for the mind shifts that you're offering up here. And, and not only that, but the very, very practical things that you're sharing here that I can immediately begin doing. So um, I am so grateful for this conversation and for this book. The book is called Effortless, Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. It is out now. Um, you can get it now. And if you want to take the same quiz I did and see some of the things that might be getting in the way, go to gregmcewen.com slash quiz and you can take it there. But get the book. And I really believe it's this is giving us permission, I think, to not only do things a different way, but live a different way. And I am so grateful for you and this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Boy, do we need this book. Effortless. Uh, do we need uh, what JJ and Greg talked about? Uh, we do. I do. 
you know, just to let you in on stuff going on in my personal life, Betsy and I are expecting a child. And uh, the staff and I decided I'm going to take a paternity leave. I'm going to take it seriously. I'm going to take six weeks. I'm going to bond with that child. We're going to do all the things that the blogs tell us to do. Um, because at 49 years old, I'm bringing a daughter into the world. And if I talk about it anymore, I'm going to start crying because it's just a meaningful thing. Something I never thought would happen in my life. I thought I was too screwed up. Uh, health comes, though, if you keep working on it. And uh, and hopefully I'm going to be a good dad. And taking six weeks is a big part of that. Um, what that means, though, is that I've got, you know, I'm getting up at 4.35 in the morning to get the writing done on Hero on a Mission, a book that will be out in January. Before I start the day at 9 a.m., recording everything, including these closing thoughts that have to be recorded before I leave for paternity leave. And that means I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my entire life. Uh, I'm enjoying it to some degree, except I'm exhausted. And the the theme that JJ and Greg talked about means a lot to me. What, what I'm realizing, what I'm taking away from that conversation as it uh, lays over the Venn diagram of my life is that there is in me something I don't want to accept. There is a truth about life I don't want to accept, and that is that there is a law of diminishing returns. That at some point, whether it's hour 50, 55, hour 60 that you're putting into your work week, you're, you're going to get not just bad returns, but you're going to start working against the work you already did. You know, For instance, if I, if I have to use too much creativity in a day and I wake up the next morning to work on my book, I, I don't have the good words. The good words require me to go to the gym and swim around in a pool and take long showers and go for a walk. The good words require that. They require this margin, this blank space to let your mind rest. What a good message. Law of diminishing returns. I wonder what yours is. What is the place that you hit that from here on out, if you do any more work, you're going to get negative returns. You're going to work against the work you already did. Then the second part of that, after you figure that out, is to accept the fact that this is all you can do. And if you're like me, you're addicted to more more work, more creativity, more impact, more, 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 more. The truth is, if you look at your life, you might already have enough. You're having enough impact. Uh, you've done enough work. You have enough money. Uh, what you need is rest so that you can be your best. The, the great thing is, over time, as the years compound of a healthy rhythm, you actually start growing quicker and quicker and quicker, doing less work, not more work. It's a luxury. That's a very American thing to say, but I don't apologize for it because I wish it for everybody in the world. I wish everybody in the world lived in a country where they could work a little less and get a little more done, and, and I think we should all fight for everybody's right to do that. There is a law of diminishing returns. If we work too, too hard, you start working against yourself, and we have to accept that this might be all that we can do and that it is more than enough. Great conversation with Greg McEwen. Until next week, here's to growing your business. It can seem like the whole job of an entrepreneur is to worry, which is why the Business Made Simple podcast is here for you every week, taking the mystery out of growing your business. So if you got something out of today's episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Then go to businessmadesimple.com to see how our on-demand courses and live coaching events can give you the practical skills you need so you won't just sound like you understand business. You will actually know how a business works and how to grow it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.